For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Goths, the 16th studio album by the Mountain Goats, and we're starting out by playing the last song on the record because it sets up so well the themes that this album is about. It's not a goth record, it's not even so much about being goth, but it's more about getting older and looking back on your life and your younger self and the things you were passionate about and integrating that into who you are now. The song we'll play, again, is the last on the record. It's called Abandoned Flesh, and it's about a mostly forgotten band that was apparently once a goth band called Gene Loves Jezebel. They charted once or twice They were on a major label When the singer went solo He left money on the table The two main guys are related They're at war with each other Now there's two genes loving Jezebel One for each brother but the world What you see is what you get And what you get is what you see Whether you're the march violence Or the Bolshoi Bands who had to leave the darkness for the sun Red lorry, yellow lorry We're on cherry red, I think They've been playing clubs since 1981 To be fair to Gene Loves Jezebel Billy Corgan brought him on stage It was in 2011 It's on their Wikipedia page But for the most part However big that chorus to bass may throb You and me and all of us Are gonna have to find a job Because the world Will never know Or understand suffocated splendor of the once and future goth band so we this is another of the very few bands that we've come back for a repeat visit uh the mountain goats last album beat the champ was really an album that i loved and i think grew on me and has aged very well it had tremendous re-listenability also the mountain goats are one of my favorite bands and john darniel is a national treasure he is very delightful we had the good fortune of seeing them on the tour for this album and yeah he is just one of the most charming and sweet personally the kind of person you want to like his music but i think even if you haven't met him or seen him perform live it's just it comes through in all of the writing here and he is a prolific songwriter He's uh, the best lyricist of our generation. Yeah, and th- these songs are all pretty long, and there's very little repeated lyrics. There were just lots of crammed in. Here, the chorus is just the repeated word and the world, and that's that's kind of the only repeated part of this song. It's kind of amazing. And as you might have expected, an album called Goths would have a gothic sound, and that's not at all the case here. I think when I, I think the things we heard leading up to this album coming out were that, okay, we're not really going to have guitars, which is mostly the case and then the other thing is that matt douglas who had previously been kind of a part-time member of the band is promoted now to fourth time full-time member and he specializes in horns you certainly hear a lot of sax on that track and that really just jazzy sax work and john worster the drummer doing his kind of light 
touch on the drums and swing in that sound. And it's just so and unexpected Peter... that Goths is like a jazz album. Yeah, <laughs> and in... Peter Hughes, who's the bassist, plays the only stringed instrument because even the keyboard they used, the Fender Rhodes, is a tined rather than a stringed yeah, that sound piano. very, yeah, very chimey. Yeah. And in fact, that. John Darnielle said that it was partly a stylistic choice to write on piano, but he's more comfortable writing on piano, but also because he has two little kids who were climbing all over the guitar whenever he tried to play it. And he said, you know, with a keyboard, you're sitting up and the kids can plink on the keyboard while you're actually like playing it. Whereas with the guitar, you really can't do that. No way to uh, multitask on that instrument. <laughs> I came in with a little bit of a deficit on this album because I don't know a lot of these bands. And I think you were nice enough to introduce me to bands like Gene Loves Jezebel. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about this more going through, but this is a record about growing up in Southern California as kind of a goth kid, which John Darnielle did. And I also am from Southern California, and he's a few years older than me, but not much. And so many of these bands, and he talks about KROQ, which was our a very influential LA radio station, and you know Retail Slut, which was a place on Melrose that sold kind of like punk and goth fashions, and all this stuff that is familiar to me that was so enjoyable to hear. But I recognize that a lot of these bands might be bands that people don't recognize. Like, for example, Jean Loves Jezebel. I only remember two of their hits. One was Motion of Love, but then they kind of transformed into this hair metal band, and the one hit that you might have heard was called Jealous. So a terrible song with a terrible video if you look it up. But apparently, according to John Darnielle's chatter on stage between the songs, he explained that they used to, they started out as a goth band that he really liked. Well, there's that great lyric in this, the bands that had to leave the darkness for the sun. Yeah. And just that notion of the, the world kind of moves on and you have your artistic moment. I love that, that the world came to agree what you see is what you get and what you get is what you see. And I kind of think about that transition from the 80s to the 90s where, you know, it went from this like over the top kind of not artistry, but sort of theatrics to the kind of stripped down grunge and how weird that was and must have been really disorienting for people trying to be musicians at the time like wait what happened and also one of the themes of this record is that the beginning of that song which we didn't play talks about robert smith and Susie sue being kind of like retired at their villas in france and not because they became successful and we were able to coast on that but there are the bands like gene loves jezebel that just never really quite made it and there are a lot of those characters in this record we've talked about the end of the album which does sum up those themes and i think we go from looking back to i think diving into the sort of emotional heart and we'll i think next talk about the first song on the album which gets things going with a bang and it's called rain in soho and it's also the only real goth song on the record so it's kind of a head fake no promise sweeter than a blood pact nothing harder to go through with than a Same river twice. The river goes where the water flows, but no one knows. 
that's the Nashville Symphony Choir that's doing the choir in the background. And I have to think that is clearly a reference to perhaps the most successful goth band, Sisters of Mercy, and their big hit, This Corrosion, because John Darnielle talks about being a big fan of theirs, and he really liked them like in the early days. And of course, this is the first song, and then the second song is called Andrew Eldritch is Moving Back to Leeds, and Andrew Eldritch is the singer from Sisters of Mercy. And if you don't remember this corrosion, this is how the chorus goes. By the way, I remember all these from when I was a kid, and Adam did not remember any of them or know them, but part of it is not growing up in L.A. with KROQ because we had Richard Blade and Rodney on the Rock and the DJs that pioneered all of these things. Yeah, you were really privileged there, although I will say that KROQ was the rock of the 80s, and I grew up in the Bay Area where Live 105 was the rock of the 90s, even though it was the mid-80s. <laughs> but I, I basically did the went directly from like corporate rock and metal directly to college radio, and it never made that stop in like alternative commercial radio. But John Darnielle is also famously a really big metal fan. And in fact, he wrote the 33 and a third series book on Black Sabbath. And he used to write a blog called Last Train to Jakarta, which was mostly about his love of metal. Jakarta, uh, people may not know, huge metal town. Yeah. Coming out of the very high energy Beat the Champ, which had some really just, it was all about kind of aggression and some of the aftermath of that. And so to come into this, and this is an incredibly kind of aggressive song, and it's, you know, trying to find the weirdness of like a life affirming youth culture that's also just all about death and destruction mm-hmm. and somehow being both those things and for me just that what really comes down to is that bridge which we hear i just has such great lyrics you could find someone who's lost like you and revel in the darkness like a pair of open graves and then fumble through the fog for a season or two that it's just that sense of like yeah this is not a lifestyle for a sustainable lifestyle for most people but it is something that's like finding yourself is important and it's all with that just incredibly driving john worster beat john darniel called him out at the show for being amazing because he's just the diversity of styles that he's able to master on this amazing and it's funny that you said beat the champ was about aggression because i don't think that at all i think it was also about kind of like aging and figuring out i I guess that it's about aging out of an aggressive lifestyle and so some of those songs are about like that bloodlust and then other songs about the sort of aftermath and here the sort of equivalent of that bloodlust is that reveling in the darkness and then more than half the album is more like, well, what's the aftermath of that? Right. What comes next? Right. And I think Like Beat the Champ was an album about professional wrestling, which it w- sounded very odd when we first heard about it because you wouldn't think that would be appealing. But it really was because it was about the human stories and the feelings, uh, you know, that are captured in this big interplay of good and evil that professional wrestling sort of yeah. sets up. And again, this is an album about goths that doesn't seem like it'd be interesting, but he makes it really meaningful and a really terrific album. Yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, that aftermath comes right in the second track where Andrew Eldritch, who, you know, I am going to embrace that style of the the slicked hair and the aviator sunglasses for sure. That's my new style. But uh, it's called Andrew Eldritch is moving back to Leeds. There's indifference on the wind.
may be the most sonically cheerful song on the album. It just has that jaunty little doot-doot-doot-doot kind of sound to it. And it's so richly drawn, this sort of portrayal of just the mundane details of you know what it's like to be in this small town and or smaller town than london i really encourage you to google the video for this corrosion by sisters of mercy just to see how intense andrew eldritch looked in his younger days and then to think of them him as just being this older guy just like moving back to his hometown and seeing his friends and just enjoying a sunny day wearing, wearing their motorhead jackets yeah and there's a great line we didn't play about just the joy of being able to be lost in a crowd and not be recognized I also appreciate, though, that even though I think they're sort of the beginning and end are very specific about what it's his experience, but then the entire middle, like the second verse of the song is just all about this fog machine that's in storage. And it's this great metaphor for just this kind of obsolete machines, just like, well, they don't make them anymore. No one really wants it anymore. It's in rusted. Fact, yeah, it's rusted. And if you tried to give it away, no one, no one would even take it. The and, line is, no one will even steal it if you leave it by the door. Yeah. And so it's... And so that combination of sort of these just simple things like, oh, you're going to meet your friends and, oh, you thought you were going to drive cool cars around in London. And then the sort of like the metaphor of the fog machine and then even this bridge, which is all about like, oh, he's at the train station with his cool backpack that he bought presumably on a tour of Europe. And Leipzig. And, and yeah, Leipzig secondhand store is very cool. And yet now it's just. Uh, come back no one really but i mean cares. i don't think it's i think it's positive it's unlike some of the characters on this record he's not bitter about aging out of his career he's just kind of enjoying the the retirement yeah, and that is the thing and, I think, and it's and it's smart of the music to be so jaunty because it's yeah don't feel sad like even though it's sort of bittersweet because there's all this notion of like no no one ever gets away they, they test the membrane but no one pushes through this notion of like oh you're kind of stuck in your hometown and even even the ones who leave do come back and it's yeah. but it's 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 sweet and sad at the same time and i'm not so this record kind of goes back and forth. It's more of a progression, but we've played the songs out of order. But I'd say half of the songs are about people being kind of aging rockers and having trouble figuring out like what their role is now in life now that they're not whatever, you know, the youth worshipping musician. But the other half is about John Arneal himself remembering being a goth as a teen or like early young adult in Southern California. And that's the next song that we'll play, which is called We Do It Different on the West Coast. I heard they had a problem with some skinheads At a show in a machine shop in Pomona I feel like half my friends have moved to San Francisco I think I'm gonna bleach my hair this weekend And Dave went to New York I don't care You can't shut people up Once they get back From their Christmas out there different on the west coast 
this is an example of John Darnielle's very conscious effort in the last couple of years to really make his voice prettier and give himself more range rather than just like the wonderful shouty kind of lo-fi early mountain goats to really making it an interesting instrument. Yeah, I think he, there's a few tracks on here where he's really pushing his voice in different directions. I think this one we won't play, but Rage of Travers, where I really felt it felt like I was listening to an 80s kind of alternative band. And I'm like, wait, but it's also the mountain goats at the same uh-huh. time. And he's finding a way to, to sing in a different way that's without losing that essence of himself. Mm-hmm. And it's so good that it's sort of this hopeful song here where, you know, it starts with more of a like feeling far, really far away from where things are happening. Like, oh, it's, I, it's in England, it's in Berlin, and here I am. And well, I'm just it, getting this kind of secondhand in the, reports. In the first song on the record, Rain and Soho, they talk about the Batcave, which was the club in London where the whole goth trend sort of started. And I think they also were thinking like, oh, it actually already closed. But uh, but you, you know, carry on. And here, yeah, maybe not by time, but just by distance that you're getting these scattered reports. It's before the internet. So yeah. you just, you really don't necessarily know what's happening. But then it becomes sort of really positive and inspiring that, that even in that chorus about in New York, whatever. And, you know, we get that kind of gospel choir sound coming in and that it gets that last chorus or the last verse rather we hear is more about like, well, you know, I'm going to do this myself. Like I'm going to get the magazines I can find and, you know, Hey, I can't get a hold of the effects pedals I want. I'm going to make my own effects pedals and try and create a scene here. And, and it's I like, kind of amazing. I like that. It's really almost nostalgic for pre-internet days because in those days, and I remember this when I was a teenager, that it's your scu- your local subculture was all that you knew about and the bands that your friends listened to and told you about. Or you might read like Maximum Rock and Roll and you'd find out about bands that way. But you also couldn't just go listen to Spotify and hear what they sounded like. You had to go down to like Go Boy Records and like see if they would play it for you and things like that. And I think there was a more unification of the local culture and closeness with your friends around you than maybe there is nowadays for local sub. Cultures. Yeah, that there is, yeah, there isn't that sense of like it, things don't happen so different on the mm-hmm. West Coast anymore because right. so, it, it's I great mean, that e- ideas can be exchanged so easily. Let's but... be clear, people still won't shut up about New York, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we go into again back swinging towards maybe a darker take on things in the next track. It's called Unicorn Tolerance. Gone to the dark, covered by the blood.
really tough to pick a part of that song to play because I think it's the best song on the record. It's just so masterful. It's got this really poppy beat and this little flute that makes it really cheerful, but it's an extremely dark song. And John Darnielle talked about when we saw him at the Fillmore a couple weeks ago. Um, introduced the song by talking about how this was the time in his life. So longtime fans will know that The Sunset Tree, which is what brought them to critical prominence, was written after the death of his abusive stepfather and being, you know, his teenage years and experiencing that. And that came out in 2005. And then he talks about how this song is about the time in his life a little like a couple years later where he was a heroin addict and he had moved to Portland and he was still only like 19 or 20 and he just wore dark glasses all the time and he didn't think he was really going to live very long but he's remembering in this song how he used to be kind of a happy kid who liked unicorns and magic and things and there's a great line that we don't we didn't play that stanza but there's a great line where he says when the clouds clear away you get a momentary chance to see the thing i've been trying to beat to death the soft creature that i used to be the better animal i used to be and so this song is about kind of being at that phase in his life and looking back to being relatively happy yeah it's that is so yeah it's so dark and yeah that that bridge and it's all like the flutes and mm-hmm. looking back and that yeah these he's really in this sort of depths of addiction and it's just a real bummer and yet such an upbeat song and yeah he's trying hard to look hard and yeah sleeping in underpasses and just oh it's but and you see him now as a 40 probably late 40s adult with two little kids who lives in north carolina and you can see that he has he loves metal and he has this appreciation for dark things but he's still just a really like upbeat person who's super encouraging and loves performing and and you can see that even back then he was this guy who was very dark but also had appreciations for unicorns well clearly yeah this depth of strength and you know he survived this experience and thank goodness he did and can kind of come back and hopefully bring some wisdom from it and just thanks for surviving (laughs) so uh you know i think again this is such a light kind of song sonically and i think the next song we'll play is the other kind of really heavy barn burner you might call it it's called shelved the ride's over
so I think you said your favorite track on the album was Unicorn Tolerance. To me, this is my favorite track on the album. It has just this, again, that driving bass sound and drum work. And it's just such a great rage at being kind of ushered off this stage. And it's like, this is how I want to perform on hydraulics. No, you want to strap me to a crucifix. No, I want to write the kind of songs I want to write. And you want to set me up with some songwriter and have me open for Trent Reznor. A third on the bill. Yeah, third on the bill. Exactly. (laughs) Like, clearly, you're, you're over the hill. But yeah, that shelved being this notion. I'd never heard that, like, yeah, for like major label artists, when they turn in the record that they recorded with the record label's money and the record label says, nope, we're putting that on the shelf. This is not what we wanted. And I, and I love John Darnielle's remark that, you know, when you have a big major record label that gives you a bunch of money for an expensive studio, we will never experience that in the manga. <laughs> and of course, they have the freedom to write a song like this yeah. about that experience, which is fantastic. And of course, that's all very dark and we... I actually only heard that little bit of that. Like, I'm not, the ride's over, but I'm not ready to go. But that's not what we played. Yeah, we played the bridge that's, or it's kind of a bridge, but it's the at the very end. Because this is the first part of any song that's been written and performed just by Peter Hughes, the bassist. And he's so talented. And, you know, it was nice to have a little bit of him. And when they performed, everybody cheered at the end of his part. Because we've never heard him singing just on his own, which was pretty great. Yeah, he sounds great. And it's such a nice contrast. And, so, you know, musically as well, it's like suddenly we have guitars and it's in a major chord and it's so sunny. Yeah. And I love the going from the dark kind of bitter, like, screw you guys. This is the record we want to make. And uh, like, I'm not I'm not pandering to whatever audience you want to court to then it changes to the major key. And it's like, well, you know, I, I could I do know how to write C++ and I could get a job at LucasArts. And in 15 years, I'll be throwing back beers with my feet in the sand. It's such a great line. It's, it's- it's not the worst ending, but then, of course, that's not how the, the song actually still does swing back to, nope, the darkness comes back. And so this you almost think like he's thought about it and like, no, I have the, I, the darkness. I've chosen darkness. <laughs> and yeah, the entire album does such a great job of that con that exploring both of those, like what it means to choose darkness and that that's your true self and you should be true to that. Even though from the outside, it doesn't look like you're happy, but you're being true to yourself and the album sounds fantastic. And it's just so big. When I heard no guitars, I thought this is going to be so quiet. And this is an incredibly big sound. I was blown away. And when I saw him live, I'm just like, this is a huge band with a huge sound and it's fantastic. And yet it's still the Mountain Goats. And I don't know how they pulled it off. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, as phenomenal and unforgettable as an album like Tallahassee is, to hear them playing with this big sound and, and beat the champ and then hear in Goths, it's just like so wonderful to see really John Darnielle and the whole band reaching their full potential. And it's just a wonderful record. It's I, I think it was $8 on Bandcamp to, if you just want to download the digital files and like just go get it. And often when we talk about records, we usually keep it to like seven or eight songs that we play. And it's usually easy to pick the ones that we want to talk about. But this one, like it was really hard. And like the songs that we didn't play are also all phenomenal. And I have tons of to say about them which i will regale you with when i see you personally in conversation if you are a friend of mine we're gonna go out with a song called wear black and we've been talking about goths by the mountain goats and you've been listening to for the record thanks so much for listening Passing